Alright, so this is TJ Sokluk here for Visionary Objeda, a sister channel to the ever excellent Crank Playthings. They are coming out of New Zealand with the 8K Collective. You can check out Crank Playthings along with many other excellent channels over at 8k.nz. And here with me today, another excellent, very special guest I've got with me. Now, just a quick one. Is it 3900 or do you 3900 or any sort of any sort of way of saying the number? Yeah, generally just anything, but but it's it's actually from the uh, from the Roger Roger um, Roger Waters movie. Um, uh, crap, what's the name of it? Pink Flamingos from the Roger Waters movie Pink Flamingos. It's the actual house number of the bad guys in the film, and they pronounce it 3900. So. Oh, okay. All right, so I have been doing it correctly then with 3,900, so that's that's perfect. That's I'm two for two now. I got Garmer's name right first try as well. All right, so I'm, I'm not doing too shabby. So why don't you just give us, give us and all of our wonderful listeners a little a little bit of a rundown to the starting of uh, 3,900 and what, uh, what sort of drives the, the sound and the ethos behind you? All right. Well, I um, I I've played guitar for a pretty long time. I'm uh, 27 now, and I started playing when I was in like, you know, I was probably 12 or 13, and I played in rock bands and stuff in high school, and you know, did the rock band thing where you you know write original music and cover stuff and play for all your friends and crap like that, and that was a really good time. Um, and then I got to college, uh, and I went to uh, the University of Toledo for sculpture um, and art, art education kind of a thing. So while I was there, I ended up writing, you know, just kind of doing stuff on my own, like literally in my dorm with an acoustic guitar, you know, recording it through this, my, you know, crappy laptop, and then putting a bunch of reverb on it, and then putting a bunch of, uh, you know, goofy sounding drums and stuff to it. So I needed so something sort of to publish stuff with so I could, you know, do something with it. So the first, I think it might still be on MySpace if you want to go like super dig for it, but it's like, you know, it's it's super, super reverby, you know, acoustic guitar stuff that's kind of really goofy sounding. Um, and then just kind of got further into it and it ended up, um, you know, uh, there was a guy that came through the, the university that did a, um, that did like sound installations and that was kind of like a like a holy crap moment. That was like a, you know, oh my gosh, I can make these things do the same thing together, you know, because I was getting to the point with my sculpture stuff that was like getting really, really abstract and sort of found art, found object kind of deal. And, and then it sort of turned into found object, found sound, interactive kind of things. So I started, you know, recording, you know, recording the pieces um, that I was making as a sculpture you know, like with like tape loops and stuff that would play in a gallery. Um, that was actually from my, my bachelor's thesis show. So it's, it kind of started, you know, it started as like a, like a basic need for me to just, you know, standing in a parking garage with an acoustic guitar and shouting at the top of my lungs and recording it. And then it kind of turned into, you know, what it is today. So, so really humble, simple beginnings for something that ended up shaping the, uh, the entire oral half of a uh, major art installation, basically. Yeah, more or less, you know, I mean, I did a couple different things as an art installation that were sort of, 
sound and performance based. Um, but like I said, I went for sculpture. So it was, um, I did a lot of welding when I was in school. So the first piece that I did that really kind of took the two and put them into one, one thing was where I made this sculpture. It was about person sized out of metal. Excuse me. It was about person sized. And then, um, you know, it was just abstract metal formation. And I did like a three act play in the gallery where I, uh, came out with an acoustic guitar and, and, you know, sort of played it a love song. Um, I, I sort of just strummed some chords and shouted, you know, as loud as I could in like a, like a Sims voice sort of thing. Um, and, uh, the three acts were that I sung it a song. I proposed to it. I actually proposed to it in, in the gallery with a little ring and everything. Like I got down on one knee and, and, you know, speaking gibberish. And then the third act was I actually ripped it apart in the gallery, which, you know, r resulted in some really great photographs of me. So that sounds pretty phenomenal. I think I think I'd probably w definitely want one of the one of the pictures of the the last part of that installation, and I would make that like you know a Tinder profile picture or something. This is what I do. Get at me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Um, it's it, it's interesting too because. Did you mention earlier, I think I might have misheard you, maybe not, but you had mentioned that you um, you were doing sort of found sounds with your found objects. So was that something that you actually had the sound coming and you were looping uh, the sounds that came from making these uh, these sculptures and these pieces? Yeah, yeah. There was a couple, a couple of things that I did where I like you know, I, there was like a piece that has like a, a cinder block suspended in an air with a, with a big aluminum chunk counterweight. And I, I put a big speaker underneath of it and I, uh, um, I wrapped on the concrete block with my knuckle for a little bit to get some sounds out of it. And I recorded it with a microphone and a contact mic and everything. And I sort of processed, processed it with a computer and then, you know, just kind of played it back underneath the, you know, underneath a cinder block suspended in the air, um, sort of put this like sort of almost like a like a sailboat kind of a ring sort of sound, like kind of the thing you hear like on an ocean front really early in the morning. So there was that kind of. Th yeah, that just sounds that that sounds really cool. But I I wanted to make sure that I was hearing you correctly because I thought it was a little bit odd that you were you, that you mentioned you were using these found sounds because. Um, we've had this interview set up for a little bit now and you know, I've given your stuff like a few listens, uh, not all of it, unfortunately, but I've made a lot of notes on the stuff of yours that I did listen to. And I was, you know, telling people I was talking to even yesterday, um, at this show I was at, but I was saying that, uh, especially, uh, needle needle 26, uh, was the biggest example I think of it, but it was what I thought. And you know, close to being a, a found sound but I said that what I was hearing from that album was really unsettling and the reason for that was to me it sounded like you had just very closely like miked like an insect that was like hurt and like doing that little spastic movement but it was like an amplified version of that so I'd always got this sense that there was some sort of actual um like field recording uh, influence in what you were doing. The the way the way I look at it is is the the recordings of the things that I do. The recordings that are published as thirty nine hundred are are sort of like the performance documentation of it. 
Um, and it, and it kind of exists as, as a record of what happened, you know, and, and like I was saying earlier, um, you know, recording, you know, recording stuff in my dorm room, you know, the, the stuff that I've always been really drawn to has been super, super incredibly emotional music. Um, you know, whether or not, you know, depending on what that emotion is, it doesn't matter as long as it's like overtly emotional, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of noise stuff that I'm really drawn to because it's so, like it's so powerful and driven, um, you know. But there's a lot of stuff that I'm really drawn to, like uh, you know, like the uh, cap and jazz and 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 the other Kinsella stuff, you know, th those kind of things that are just so so overly emotional with the way that they deal with things. And then, you know, and then there's other stuff like, um, you know, like the shoegaze stuff that's super super dreamy and you don't, you know, it's just overwhelmingly emotional. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm drawn to. So, what I what I'm doing when I'm performing these things and recording them is just getting, getting all of the, getting all of the raw stuff out. You know, it's kind of like a, like a catharsis a little bit to just kind of get it out and, and then be able to move on with my day afterwards. You know, there's been a couple that I, that I, you know, it's like an hour long recording. And by the time I'm finished with it, like I need to lay down and take a nap, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm really, really into. And, and it's, and it's cool that you're, that you're hearing that, that it is, such a you know that's that you're hearing that 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 kind of powerfulness out of it that makes me feel really good <laughs> well I'm, I'm glad it does because you know i think one of the biggest things that i've always found about noise music and i find one of the best ways to explain what it is and what it does is the fact that you know you, you take this sound and you just you literally it's it's unabashed emotion i mean any sort of any sort of band or musician or musical artist or anything they can make really really emotional music and you know one way or the other it could be really angry or you could go the captain joe's route and be so sad but you can go so many ways with it but to me this sort of noise and this sort of ambience is literally just stripping back anything that would hinder it and it's just taking down any sort of hindrance and wall and just letting it be pure fucking emotion it's it's purely that sound there's nothing stopping it there's nothing stopping that flow there's no platelets um like clotting it up and and i i agree with you too that you know doing performing this type of of sound and this type of music it it's physically exhausting i mean the one of the last not the last duos, but one of my duos, we actually mentioned that in an interview that we had done that, you know, you ultimately boiled down, you know, we're standing there twisting knobs, but we're at the end of it, we're like sweating and like out of breath. Like it, it takes it out of you. Yeah. Uh, when I, when I do, when I do a live show, I've only done a couple, um, you know, of like a performance for other people to see as a noise event kind of a deal when i do that i always make sure that i have some kind of microphone that i'm able to yell into because that's you know when you're when you're you know building up these not the you know building up these textures and twisting the knobs and, and getting the soundscape ready by the time it all breaks through and you get to that sort of point where it's not you know you forget you forget that you're performing for people and, and that, that something else is happening, but, but you're so caught up in the act of making this noise that like, you just have to do something else. So I always figured out that I, I figured out, you know, eventually that I needed to be yelling at something. So, uh, you know, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll set up like a, like a cheap Sony microphone, like one of those, like, I think it's like a ham recorder or something like it's really, really cheap. And, and it looks like, um, 
<laughs> like one of those things that harp players use. Um, but I'll set that up and, you know, run it through a couple of effects pedals and put a big speaker dangling near me or, or on a chair or something so I can put my face in it and yell and, and, and get, get it all out, you know? Oh, abs- uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's such a huge part to get that full expression because, you know, like I said, that, you know, ultimately you're standing there twisting knobs or whatever, but it's what it takes out of you. But even for one of the, one of the first noise shows that I ever did, I didn't have any gear. I mean, me and my friend were decently poor. So we literally had one guitar, a small amp that we bought for $25 and two pedals. But he stood at these two pedals with this guitar at a table and he had himself like a knife and he was like just destroying this guitar. And I had, I had nothing. I just, I had a mic hooked into the PA and I just, I, he spent the whole time making the sound and I just stood there like freaking out for like 20 minutes. <laughs> that sounds like a good one. <laughs> oh, and it was it's it that video is on YouTube. If anyone wants to find that, it was the first the first it was uh Ramshackle Day Parade and it was Virgins with Meat Force and Max Ulick. So if anyone wants to find that, you'll see me just standing in front of my bandmate just losing it. I'm gonna have to check that out. That sounds really great. <laughs> um but you were talking about you were talking about the pure emotion and, and not letting not letting anything else get in the way of that. Um, one of the things that that I, what kind of happened and sort of draw me towards this stuff was was you know as as a guitar player as a bass player or whatever, I got to the point where I couldn't, you know, I felt like like the only way for me to get you know for me to take the next logical step as like a songwriter kind of a deal was to learn the scales and learn you know learn the ins and outs of theory. So I started doing that and I, and I had a pretty good understanding of it, but I kept getting to the point where like, I felt like I didn't know enough to be able to get the rest of it out. So that's kind of what drew me to, to the noise stuff was I could, I, you know, it didn't matter what key I was playing in as long as I was shouting as loud as I could, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, that, that reminds me a little bit of, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the band Melt Banana. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The, um, the guitar player, he was he did an interview at one point and he said that the first time he ever picked up a guitar, he immediately just like started like noisily strumming really fast. And he's like, this is what I want to do. And then, you know, he figures out like, no, you have to learn how to play the guitar. And he started learning it and he was, you know, he was learning it and he obviously knows how to play the guitar. And, but he said, you know, the only thing I ever wanted to do was just play it fast. I never cared about what was actually happening. He just wanted to make that sound and go fast because that, I guess to him, that was that removing that wall and just letting it all out. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I hear that. That's, that's, uh, I agree with that. That's, that's kind of pretty much the same boat, but it's really funny. Like, the noise or, or the noise kind of stuff that I really enjoy listening to has nothing to do with that kind of crap. <laughs> it sounds nothing like it. You know, I, I, I mean, I've, I've found myself really recently being drawn to the more, you know, ambient spaced out drone stuff. Um, you know, I, cause I feel like when I listen to that stuff, it like makes me, makes me too nervous or something like that. <laughs> Which is fair. I mean, I, I always revert back to uh, when I can, compare like certain sounds and noise i usually i tend to revert back to talk about wolf eyes i don't know if you're very if you know a lot about wolf eyes or not they're, they're one of the first bands that i really got into and actually um I, I live in the middle of ohio and about an hour and a half away from me is hansen records which is actually uh, run by aaron dillaway who was one of the founding members of wolf eyes 
and still put stuff out now. Yeah, so like I've got to meet him and you know, I go up there every you know, every once in a while and and check stuff out and and he's always really cool about, you know, just being being super chill about everything and like I think the last time I was up there he gave me he actually like cuz he knew that I had driven like kind of a distance to get there. Um but he gave me a uh, a test pressing of um the the thing that he did with Bill Nace. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's a split of him and Bill Nace, and it's it's really really good. It's really nice. So if anybody okay now now I'm just mad at you. We're not fr- we're not friends anymore. <laughs> I know it was so crazy. My my wife went with me, and she we got in the car, and she's like, she was like she's like kind of making fun of me. She's like, I totally saw you fanboying out over that, and I was like, shut up, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I totally wasn't, but like even if I was, it's none of your business. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, right yeah 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 he's a super cool dude if anybody's anywhere if anybody's everywhere near ohio please go see it yeah absolutely anyone anyone in that area if you're if you're hanging around cincinnati get out of there and make that drive go get to dillaway now uh but i wanted to but yeah sorry and i, I revert back to wolf eyes a lot when i compare different styles and noise because you know with such a such a fucking massive discography it's it's so easy to kind of compare one sound from the other one and it, it it's interesting because you you said that the like the sort of harsher the crazier noise stuff it might make you a little bit too nervous or something and that's interesting to me because um the you know the wolf Eyes record the only one that got onto sub pop was uh burn mind and to me that that album is it's so like it's so nerve-wracking it it makes you feel like there's something seriously wrong and i absolutely love that album and then you know you take it up cuz that came out in 2003 so if you take it up 14 years or no i would have put in 12 years take that 12 years to 2 years ago when they came out with i am a problem mind in pieces and it is that really you know, kind of washed out. Like they've got like the, the cranky sax behind everything, and that sort of just that that space to it. And I, I I did mean to ask you like on kind of what spectrum of of that you would stand on, but obviously it's uh, it's the latter. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But like when I when I listen to stuff, it's totally different than when I'm when I'm performing stuff because it's you know I have a I have a specific need when I listen to something, and I also have a specific need when I'm performing something. You know, like. But those those emotions are two different things. So it's about you know just kind of either conveying those or getting those into me in a, in a way that that makes me feel better. You know. So well, and that's that's a good way to approach it because I mean, when you're performing when you're performing whatever it happens to be that you're doing, you know, you you can't force yourself to to perform an emotion if it's not there. So if the performance emotion that you have that resonates with you is that sort of dronier, or more minimal stuff, then you have to do that because if you try and come out with a, a burst of anger and a burst of this violent energy every time you perform and you're not feeling it, it's it defeats it completely. There's no reason to. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I would 100% agree with that. So one of the other things I wanted to ask, so you had said that the first or that the stuff that you've released under 3900 is like a, a documentation of what exactly are they they're documentations of the art pieces that you've done the installations that you've done or 
um, just as reminders of what has happened or just uh, can you give me a little more uh, detail on that? Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, they they kind of stand as, as performance documentation, uh, you know, where for the, for the longest time when I was setting this stuff up, I, I never really, you know, I never really had a, had a definitive way to do it. Um, I would, I would just have like a, I would have a certain, um, I'd have a certain like a thing in mind that I wanted to do. Like, you know, I want to put my contact mic on this thing and run it through this reverb and see what happens. <laughs> so, so the, the, the recordings that are, that are, uh, that, that are published are, are, more performance documentations of, you know, an event that happened, which is sort of, um, so, sort of exemplified in like the, the fluxus stuff that happened, um, in the late sixties. So, um, it's kind of that idea that, that, you know, something that happens can only happen once for that specific duration of time in that, in that period of, uh, of time. So it's, you know, to, to record it is, is a different, is a different act. So it's, you know, if you were, if you were to listen to the recording of, of, of needle 26, like you were talking about before, it's different than when I'm in, you know, when I'm in the room creating that thing and it, and it even sounds different, you know? So it's just, uh, that's kind of one of the, one of the, how I sort of look at it when I'm, when I'm recording something is that it's a documentation of the acts that I'm doing and the things that I'm going through. <laughs> so they're not all necessarily, um, you know, documentation of an, of a, you know, large scale art installation. So. Okay. No, that's, that's, to me, that's a really effective way to go about things because I feel like, you know, if you, if you're someone that is just, you kind of come out with all this stuff and you say, you know, they, they could listen to all these albums and this album's cool because like I, I got this one thing for it and then I did, you know, sort of the, the same thing. Yeah, you have a lot of releases, but it seems like the way that you're going about it really, it, it really is just the documentation for yourself. Every time you hear or see or one of one of your albums or one of your one of your pieces, you're going to remember exactly and you're never going to not want to show someone that or you're never going to not stand behind what you did because they're so closely tied to you. And I think that's super important. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I, I, yeah, I would agree with that. Everything, everything that I'm doing is very important to me, um, which makes it feel really good when somebody, <laughs> when somebody starts telling me what they're hearing in the stuff that I'm doing, that makes me feel like I'm, I don't know, like I'm doing something that's successful. So, and yeah, by that, by just by the me measure of success that someone, that someone is hearing what you're doing and it resonates with them is, you know, just one of the best feelings out there. Yeah. I told, I told my wife that somebody from New Zealand was going <laughs> to, was going to set me up with this podcast thing. And I was like, and she, she was really, she was really excited about it. And I was like, well, the guy's out of Canada and you know, and this kind of thing. But, but she's like, baby, you're a, you're an international noise artist. And I'm like, I guess whatever. <laughs> Yeah, what do you what do you think about it? You, you technically are because you've you've kind of gone that scale. Everyone I've I've ran into a lot of for whatever reason I've ran into a lot of friends recently that I haven't talked to in a while. They're like, oh, so like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, oh, you know, I run a radio show in New Zealand now. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a lot of sideways looks, and it's like, well, it's it's cool. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's it's. So uh, on a on a personal question then from that one, what uh, 
how does uh, what role does your wife play in all of this uh if any you know is she super supportive does she come to the shows and like help you do stuff or does she say turn that racket down and like wave her like her pan in the air or does she is she indifferent like what's what's your wife's uh, role on it well, well, I, I married her before she, uh, you know, I married her before it got too loud. So that was that was one of the one of the benefits. Um, <laughs> but no, she's 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 incredibly supportive, and um, she doesn't know it yet. But I think she's actually showed up in a in a couple different re- different recordings that I've done because she's actually um, a classically trained pianist. So I'll uh, she doesn't practice very often. She she played a lot when she was younger, but. Every once in a while, she'll uh, you know sit down at a piano and play for a little bit. So I'll uh, you know I'll sneak in there with my phone and record stuff on there and and you know use that as like a found sound sort of thing. You know she's playing some piece from Chopin and I'm like trying to jam my uh, jam my tape player in the room to make sure I can get some <laughs> get some loops to make out of it. So um, she's she's incredibly supportive and. Uh, and it's absolutely wonderful. And uh, when I, when I first started to like publishing stuff, um, we we were actually just started dating, and she, um, you know, she she lived in uh, she still lived in the college town that she was in. We both moved back to our hometown, um, so she was about an hour and a half away too. Um, so she would come down and visit me, and I had this tiny, tiny, tiny apartment that it, you know literally was two rooms, a kitchen, and a bathroom, and like you could you could spit into all of the rooms from any of the rooms. It was, it was the tiniest place I've ever lived, um, you know. But but she would come in, and like we would we would get together and you know do whatever, watch a movie or something like that, and then I would tell her like, hey, I'm go- I'm gonna go make some noise for a little bit, and she's like, okay, cool. So she would she would lay in my bed on my bedroom. And like she, she, she has probably you know listened to all of the recordings that I've made, um, whether or not. And, and she, uh, she's, she's incredibly, incredibly supportive. And and the funniest thing is like, um, you know, she uh, she falls asleep super duper easy. So I'll be like, you know, I'll be, uh, you know, grinding a screwdriver into something, you know, making as much racket as I possibly can, and you know she was asleep. <laughs> less than two feet away from me so it is she's nothing but supportive and and that's that's you know one of the reasons i married her so that's that sounds pretty fantastic what's uh i'll uh i'll put a little notice out to her i mean i guess she would already know if she was listening but uh to uh 3900's wife uh next time you play the piano maybe just do a quick look behind you because i think i think he might be skulking trying to try to get in on the action and get to get himself some field recordings have you ever, um, have you ever, <laughs> have you ever thought of, um, you know, incorporating her into any compositions of yours, um, with her knowledge, perhaps? Um, yeah, a little bit. She's, she's, she's like, like I said, she's classically trained, and I'm, I'm more, you know, rock trained, I guess, like if that's, if that's a thing, um, you know. But like, you know, we've sat down at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've sat down a couple different times for for her to like, you know, hey, just play something, you know, play something sad, you know, like that kind of thing. And and I think I think it's actually made it to a couple different uh, things, you know, for her to to help me pick out some chords for something. I, I remember that now. It was you know she helped me figure out some chords for something that was really really sad, so I could play that. Um, and I how did it work? I had, oh I had like a little tiny little keyboard that I was like poking the you know poking the chords in on and and then um, just you know processing them from there. So 
she has helped me actually every once in a while so well that's always nice that's always nice to have right oh very much so very much so the other thing i wanted to ask was um you're you're because you're based in ohio you're from a a smaller a smaller part of ohio yes yeah yes i am from i am from the middle of ohio essentially uh, i am halfway between columbus toledo cleveland um so i'm sort of in the upper middle north kind of okay because i i i meant to ask because i did like i mentioned earlier i did my interview with garmer and you know he's from he basically lives like on the state line of illinois and iowa and so he's he's pretty far removed from pretty much anything like he works like he works in iowa so where where he lives it's it's pretty small and again obviously you too like you're kind of in between everything that's anything in ohio really so i wanted to ask because your gear rig doesn't seem like it's very expansive like what you use to craft doesn't seem like it's too too eccentric or out there is is that fair um i guess it depends on what you're looking at um i've got all kinds of different things like i said i i've got a, i've got some really i got some really nice guitar pedals because i actually do play i do play bass and guitar in a in a good old-fashioned rock band so i've got some really nice stuff as far as that's concerned but like you know i'll be i'll be you know putting something through you know a grand and a half worth of guitar pedals but it's you know i'm, I'm recording a children's clarinet you know or <laughs> So it's just that kind of, you know, that kind of thing. And that's that's kind of what draws me the most is, is um, you know, everything has a function. And then taking it and making it do something that it's not supposed to do generally results in a really interesting noise. So. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I was more curious because, you know, Garmer coming from a pretty remote area himself and, you know, you coming from a pretty remote area yourself. I was, I'm just curious because I'm, I'm trying to see if there really is this sort of, maybe so this sort of disconnect between, you know, like all the, you know, noise artists that exist here in Edmonton and, you know, and maybe somewhere else here um, in Alberta that are a little farther out and what that sort of, what that removing yourself um, from a grander uh, scene or a bigger, bigger picture of things and how that works. It's almost um, you know, being, being a, a self-made, you know, noise artist and somewhere remote where it's not really happening. I almost equate that to being, um, like in the outsider, in the outsider art realm of things in the greater scene of noise music. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. There, there's a really, there's a really heavy aspect of, of like the DIY thing. And I know that there's always a really heavy aspect of DIY stuff in noise music, but, but I, I feel like it's even more, you know, when you have to, you know, when you have to make a significant drive to get a guitar cable, you know, so, <laughs> you know, for me to go buy a guitar cable, it's like, I have to drive like a, like 30 minutes or something like that, just to even get there, if the fucking store's open, you know, um, so it's, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, you know, let's figure out how I can make this work with what I have, um, you know, and like I said, I do have some some nicer, you know, nicer stuff, um, you know, but uh, w one of the things that benefits me, I think, from from not being able to go every other weekend to a noise show is I don't have any idea what anybody else is doing, 
<laughs> so I don't have to worry about like, oh, I'm going to piss that guy off because we're both using, you know, we're both using a, a thingamagoop, you know, it's, you know, just, you know, I don't have to worry about that kind of thing, you know. That is honestly the best name I've ever heard for anything. I swear to God, it's sitting right here. It's a, it's a doctor, uh, it's a bleep labs thingamagoop too. Um, my, my wife actually got it for me as a, as a, uh, Christmas present or something like that. Um, it, sh it showed up the first time I saw it was actually in a, uh, a the Nels Klein rig rundown. Uh, I'm a pretty big Wilco fan. So I, I, you know, geek out watching Nels Klein do all this funky shit with, uh, you know, with all these weird stuff he's got. Um, uh, but he pulls this thing out and it's this goofy little box with a, with like a, like an angler fish, um, light bulb sticking off of it um and it's it's a it's a optical uh oscillator is essentially what it is it's a couple different modes and settings and stuff like that but it's really really fun that's that's super awesome i'm gonna have to do uh i'm gonna have to do a search on that and see what i can what i can do um but actually while we're on that topic and i've i did this in the last episode too when i spoke with garmer and it's a promise i made uh to my a promise I made to my musical partner and best friend that he would only he would listen to all the episodes he would actually take the time and listen to them but only if only if I basically badgered the person I was interviewing to give me like a good rundown of what they have for gear because my friend Justin is huge into gear huge into pedals huge into everything like that so you you got you got to give them the rundown. This Justin, this is for you. Well, you you got to give me the gear rundown. What do you got? What do you got that's interesting? Okay, so um, it just depends on what it's doing. I guess if it's if it's a live show, the the gear rundown is something along the lines of, I have a a trainer voicemate YVM two, which is a which is a solid state uh, head that I usually push through some kind of cab. Um, I've got a little 212 that, that does a pretty good job of, of pissing the neighbors off. Um, but it's got four input controls on it that, that are, uh, you know, four uh, input. Uh, so, so that's kind of my, that's kind of my modernist restriction, you know, is that I can only have four things making noise, you know, but depending on how many cables and what kind of hookups and, and shit I have it I can you know split that or however many different ways but <coughs> I usually have my computer running as one um, I use super collider every once in a while um, super collider is a code based um, code based uh, noise making program I guess <laughs> if you're not familiar with it it's it's incredibly incredibly detailed and you can do so much with it um, the guy, what's his name? Hecker, I think his name, H-E-C-K-E-R. He's really big into it. Um, he's he's a, not not to be confused with Tim Hecker, it's a different guy. Um, so I usually, yeah, like I said, I run Super Collider with a couple different programs um, um, with some kind of microphone hooked up into that so I can, you know, use like different effects modeling programs and that kind of thing. Um, and then I have generally some kind of pedal setup where I have um, all kinds of different stuff that I'm able to plug in, like the, like the thingamagoop is one that I use. Um, I have this really wonderful little box, little black box that I bought from uh, Luke with Skeleton Dust Recordings. Um, he's based out of Ohio too. Um, but it's, it's like, a, like a square wave generator 
that makes some really, really wonderful noises. Um, but he, somebody built it for him and he just was kind of getting rid of it one day and I said, I'm going to need that. Um, and he also, I also bought a, uh, a fuzz pedal, like a handmade fuzz pedal with a Dracula on it, which is super cool. I use that one a lot too because it's super loud and gritty and noisy and everything. Um, you know, but I generally have some kind of loop pedal. Um, I've got a Boss Loop Station RC20XL. That one's sitting right in front of me. Um, you know, with uh, you know a, a whammy. Um, you know, the guitar whammy with uh, different kind of settings and stuff on it. Um, a couple old, couple old you know kind of deals. I've got an old ass Marquise Phaser. Um, it's a it's a Marquise by Harmony. I have no idea. I've never really been able to find any information on it, but it's a wonderful, wonderful phaser because it just sounds so absolutely fucking ridiculous, um, and it's it's just absolutely wonderful. Um, and then there's a there's a, a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a Boss. Um, I think it's a Boss O O O C two, O O B C two or something like that. It's the Boss. Um, bass overdrive and if you run a contact mic into a boss bass overdrive it is the most wonderful preamp you'll ever get because it you can set the EQ to have all of the all of the the low end that you need that isn't there and you've never been able to get with a different kind of pedal so I will if you're the gear nerds I will 100% recommend that the boss bass overdrive <coughs> Um, what else? What else do I use? Good question. Um, you know, I've got some, got some kind of circuit bent sort of stuff. Um, nothing that I've ever been able to really use in a live setting, but recording wise, they usually turn out pretty cool. Um, uh, you know, d different kind of, I, I usually have two cassette players handy. Um, so I can, I can, you know, pull the input and put it into the other one. And I've got a really, really solid collection of, of bizarre tapes that I've been collecting over the years, you know, like um, church sermons, um, weight loss recordings, that kind of thing. Just that's, that's one of my favorite hobbies is to just kind of collect bizarre, um, you know, bizarre noise media, music media, really. <laughs> and then I also have a... Um, yeah, 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 for sure. And, you know, kind of, I have one where it's the, I have a, a tape player with a faceplate pulled off of it so I can kind of put my thumb on it and slow it down a little bit and that kind of thing. Um, and then I I've also, I also use a, um, it's a, uh, it's the needle off of a, uh, off of a record player. Um, it was, uh, I could, the platter fucked up and it wouldn't turn or whatever. So instead of just throwing the whole thing out, I just ripped the arm off of it and rewired it to a quarter inch jack. Um, so it's, it really is like the stylus is off of a record player. It's still got the plastic um, little drop thingy on it and everything. That makes some really, really wonderful noises because it's essentially like another contact microphone. <coughs> um, but uh, actually the ne needle 26, like you were talking about earlier, that's, that is actually uh, that phonograph needle run through a couple pedals. Um, and then just pressing it right up against the speaker, like a 12-inch, um, just a 12-inch speaker hanging around. And I recorded it um, in a couple different ways. You know, I recorded the direct input from the speaker, and I recorded the, uh, um, you know, the ambient music in the room, um, and just kind of mixed it all together as one. So all kinds of different stuff, all kinds of different stuff to make noise.
Oh, and then usually the usually usually the 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 some kind of microphone to be able to scream into. So, as you said before, that's kind of the staple for thirty nine hundred. But I this is this is what makes me so uh, so happy about what I get to do here on uh, on the show and just the people I get to talk to and the the different viewpoints and the, everything that I get to hear because. You know, this is, it's so far, not far removed from the things that I know, but generally speaking, this isn't the way that, that I approach the noise that I do, but I find this stuff to be so, so interesting and it's, it's so important and it's so, um, it's so inclusive and it can be of, of everything else because you're really sort of testing the limits and testing the boundaries of, you know, how to bring sound across and, I really do respect the way that your recordings are based on these different methods and how much you actually get to delve into um, what makes sound and what constitutes something that will evoke emotion, whether it be heavily non-musical or, like you said, just your good old rock and roll. And you've really started to push that envelope, and I I absolutely adore what you're doing, and I, I'm really happy to have had you on the show. Hey, thank you very much, man. Um, so one question, uh, I think before, I think, I think we're good to, uh, kind of start wrapping things up a little bit, unless you have, unless there's anything else you kind of want, uh, wanted to get out there, I'll give you a chance to whatever, if there's anything else you wanted to get out there. No, I think that's about it. I mean, that's kind of just my approach to how I do stuff and, and sort of some of the things I used to make it happen so all right perfect so um then I'm gonna I'll just end off with a quick uh a quick question and this one's totally unrelated to everything we've talked about and this one's just for me but gotta you gotta give them to me I, I gotta know your top three um your top three Bruce Springsteen songs oh my gosh um, the first three off of the Nebraska album. Oh man, you had that locked and loaded, ready to go. <laughs> For sure, that's my favorite. That's my favorite Bruce Springsteen. It's really great. The first track, it's the is the first one Atlantic City, I think. No, the first one's Nebraska, and then Atlantic City, and then it's Mansion on the Hill. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. For sure. Oh my God, that's so great! I want I want everyone to listening to know that I did not I asked that question not even knowing if Austin liked Bruce Springsteen or not. Like this was a shot in the dark, and I'm very happy you had that answer ready to go. For sure, man. I mean that to to me, ne- Nebraska is damn near noise music because the the record that they put out is just him in a four track. Yeah, and I and I have I own that record. I own an original pressing of that record, and it's it, you you can hear it. it. the The lo-fi speaks so much to the the aesthetic and the the feeling that that album gives. Yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. I ju- I just pick a picked a copy up not too long ago, and I haven't been able to drop it on there yet. So, oh, uh, it's it's it sounds beautiful, and it's it's great because I I can put on you know my original pressing of uh of nebraska and you hear that that grit that lo-fi and then i can take that off and immediately put on born to run and it gets this grandiose 
like it's it's so far removed but it's he's he's the master he he deserves the nickname the boss he is the man he is the boss for sure he is the boss and i think that is the absolute perfect way to to wrap this hour up so i want to thank uh, 3900 for coming on to the show onto visionary objet dot uh part of the ak collective out of christchurch new zealand so 3900 thanks a lot for being on the show man best of luck to you and uh i hope i get to hear hear from you and hear a lot more stuff coming out from you yeah i'll I'll be working on it now i've just been kind of taking it easy um but my my work is kind of getting in a good spot where i can kind of take some time and, and make some noise for myself now so i'll be putting some stuff out pretty soon all right, so everyone, you heard it first. We got new new 3900 in the works, so you can always check back to 3900, just 3900.bandcamp.com, and you'll be hoping, hopefully, to uh, hear some new stuff coming out of there soon. Yeah, for sure, and and big thanks big thanks to you and, and everybody at the, the AK Collective. It's been really great working with um, you know you and, and Lars with, with, with the podcast, Crank Play Things. That's really, you guys have been really big help for me to kind of, you know, have some, some validation to the stuff that I'm doing. So it's not just me and my wife listening to it. (laughs) A little validation never hurt anybody, buddy. Yeah, not at all. Well, again, thanks for being on the show and, um, yeah, the best luck to you and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks.